This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Hello everyone, welcome to Tian Tehillim. Today's class, which is going to be on Parak Yotes, chapter 19, is dedicated for Hatzlacha, for Rachel Bas Yeta Dabrish. Okay, so I don't know about any of you, but I'm noticing that as I'm getting a little older, as I'm noticing some more white hairs on my head and some crinkles under my eyes, um, I'm starting to like appreciate interesting things. I'm starting to appreciate funny new things. And one of them is nature, which is what we're going to be talking about in this parak. Like I noticed that I'm more interested in walking outside and going to the ocean in seeing beautiful sights, I'm much more interested in doing things like that. Um, you know, like there are many things actually that we start doing as we get older that we start be having more of an acquired taste for. For example, I was in the grocery the other day and I noticed that, like, for one of the first times ever, I took a bag off of, pulled a bag off of the roll of bags and I started heading over to the grapefruits. And as I'm going over to the grapefruits, it starts to occur to me like, oh my goodness, this is a disaster. Am I actually taking grapefruits? Like, since when do I like grapefruits? When I think of grapefruits, I think of very cute, adorable little old men sitting at the kitchen table with their glasses and the tip of their nose, reading the newspaper and having this adorable little serrated spoon that they're using to cut their grapefruit and eat it and and drinking the liquid on the bottom of the thing, you know, like, ugh, like this is a disaster. I can't be liking grapefruits. So that's just one of the ways, one of the indicators that I too am joining the ranks of aging people in the world. Uh, but there's other things also, right? Like, um, like enjoying perfumes or, you know, scented candles or drinking wine. My whole life I didn't like wine. All of a sudden I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll have some wine. Um, you know, different things like this that we develop a love for later on in life. So the love of nature that I am developing and that I'm sure many of you share with me as well is something that I was inspired to talk a little bit about. I was inspired to look into the idea of nature and see how I could use it to help all of us improve our lives because there is talk about nature in the first part of this parak. The parak is divided into two parts. The first part speaks about the spiritual benefits of nature is that nature tells of the kavod, the glory of God. How does it tell the glory, you know, how does it tell of the glory of God? Ain Omer ve'ein dvarim, not through words, not through a voice and not through words, but just through its existence, through the amazing quality of the different parts of nature, through the incredible brilliance and complexities that are involved. Um, we see the glory of Hashem and that, you know, makes it that when we are part of nature and we put ourselves in nature, we actually develop a greater appreciation for Hashem, a greater emuna and a greater bitachon, and Hashem being able to do anything. So that's a huge spiritual benefit of nature. We'll talk about some of the physical benefits at the end of this parak as well. And the second part of the parak speaks about another way that Hashem's glory is manifested here in, on earth that's even better than nature and even more perfect and even higher way of Hashem's glory being manifested, and that is through the Torah. And we're going to talk about some of the incredible qualities of Torah and 
then at the end, after the parak, I'm going to go back to this idea of nature, and I'm going to teach you a novel, new, exciting way of using the energy of nature to help us strengthen our well-being and our quality of life, which will also help to further heighten our awe and appreciation for the wonders of God. Okay, great. So, Parak Yotes, let's look at Pasuk Aleph, Lamnatseach, Mizmar David. Here we have another psalm of David. Pasuk Beis, Hashamayim, Misaprim, Kivod Kel. The heavens tell of the kavo, the glory, and the honor of Hashem. So, specifically here we're talking about the Shamayim, the celestial bodies, the planets, and the luminaries that are up in outer space and in the sky. And there's a mushal, you know, first of all, we have to understand what does this mean that the sky tells of the glory of God? I don't hear it talking. I don't know about you. Um, I don't hear it saying anything. So how exactly does it tell of the glory of God? So a mushal is given that really describes, explains this very well. There's a man passing into, you know, he's walking through a forest and he passes by a house and he sees through the window of the house that there's a table that's set, but the house looks to be abandoned. He doesn't see, he's looking inside. He doesn't see any people in the house and he's feeling hungry. He's kind of like, uh, he's pulling a Goldilocks over here. He's feeling hungry, but he's like, you know what? Uh, I don't know. It doesn't seem like there's anyone home. So he keeps walking, comes back a little later, and when he looks through the window, he sees that the table is decked out with delicious, hot, steaming, yummy food. And all of a sudden, there's chalent and kugel and schnitzel, right? There's all the Dr. Pepper. There's food on the table. And through seeing all this delicious food on the table, he clearly understands that there's somebody living in this house. There is a person here, even though he doesn't see them. Similarly, when it comes to nature, and we look at the complexities and the, the sophisticated ways in which nature functions and how it evolves and ha how it operates and the complex nature of every single part of how it's made up, when we notice and when we look at that, we can clearly see that there has to be somebody here. There has to be somebody in the house. There has to be somebody who put out all this delicious food, who cooked it and put it out. And so, Hashemayim Saprim Kivod Kel, the celestial bodies that are orbiting in perfect precision, clearly and undeniably tell of a creator that must be behind this brilliant creation. Pasa Gimel, Yom Liyom Yabia Omer, day following day brings expressions of praise. What does this mean? Well, it's the day that follows into the next day, and it's the, it's the sunrise and it's the sunset the transition, the junction between the days that brings about the greatest praise from men. How do we know this? Well, if you, I'm sure, you know, we all could remember a time where we were driving home during sunset and we couldn't stop staring at the most magnificent colors and the most magnificent sight that was before us. Similarly, the sunrise I remember in seminary, they took us on a hike at five o'clock in the morning to the top of a mountain to watch the sunrise. And I remember thinking, as I'm walking up that mountain, I'm exhausted and my eyes are all like crusty still. And I'm thinking like the only thing that would have ever been able to get me here was to be able to witness the magnificent sunrise and to connect spiritually with that whole experience, with that whole incredible experience. Another interesting thing to note here is that it's saying that it's the day following the day and the night following the night. It's the stability and the consistency of days and nights rolling into each other every single day 
that really shows us, that really evokes our praise for Hashem. Yabia Omer, it brings out that praise. Now, why is this? It's interesting because usually we say that when things are consistently happening, the, the sun comes up every morning. So that's why we end up taking it for granted and seeing it as just like quote-unquote nature. We don't see it as a miracle anymore because it just happens every day and it's easy to forget that there's a God behind it. However, here we're getting kind of a different perspective. Here we're saying, no, it's the day and the, you know, turning into night and the night turning into day on a consistent basis every single day without fail. That That is exactly what points to the creator that must be behind it. Because anything that a human being does or that something that happens by accident, it doesn't happen on a regular basis consistently. People think about us. Sometimes we're happy. Sometimes we're sad. Sometimes we're feeling productive. Sometimes we want to stay in bed till two o'clock in the afternoon. Right? We have. We're different. We change. We're, we're not. We're not able to just consistently put out the same exact thing every single day. And so the fact that day turns into night, night turns into day, to day, every day the exact same way, shows us that there is a creator that is divine. That there is a God behind all of these occurrences. So it's a different, it's an interesting way of looking at it. We don't need to look at it that, oh, it happens every day, so I don't notice that there's a God. No, it's the opposite. It happens every day, there must be a God. So again, like we said, these celestial bodies, they don't need to talk, they don't need to say a word. Just by being who they are, just by existing, we know that there's a God. Pasuk says, the lines of this, it's talking, we're specifically talking here about the sun, where we were talking about all the celestial bodies, now we're specifically focusing on the sun, because of the prominence of the sun, and how the sun is has the greatest influence on the world in terms of its size, and its light, and its heat, so we're zoning in on the sun, and we're saying, its lines go out onto the whole earth, what does it mean, lines, it's talking about the rays of the sun, and we say in Kel Adon, in, on Shabbos davening, we say, the, the rays of the sun are pleasant and beautiful and enjoyable in the whole entire world. And so we're specifically talking here about the chesed of the sun in that not only does it provide us with our physical needs that we, you know, we couldn't survive without the heat and the light of the sun, but Hashem also put in an element of enjoyment. And we know that there's no greater, there's very few things that give us greater enjoyment than basking in the beautiful rays of the sun. So that's what it's saying here, we're offering Hashem praise here, and we're saying that we get to enjoy the beautiful rays of the sun. Of course, don't forget your sunscreen so you don't end up with wrinkles, because then you'll end up like me, eating grapefruits all day. But um, yeah, the sun is beautiful, we get to enjoy it, and that is a big chesed. Now, the second thing here about the sun is that it says, some ohel bahem. Hashem put like a, a tent around the sun. What does this mean? It means that there are different atmospheric levels that are surrounding the earth, and their job is to protect us from the rays of the sun. So, so not only does Hashem give us the beautiful sun to enjoy and to, you know, and to bask in and to live from, but he also makes sure that we don't get burnt by it and that we only can enjoy the positives and none of the negatives. And that's why we have the levels in the atmosphere to protect us. And also I read somewhere that if the sun were an inch closer to earth, we'd all be burnt to a crisp. And if it was an inch farther from earth, we'd all freeze. So 
that also tells of the fact that it can't be that the sun just was put here in the Big Bang. Oops, by mistake, here's a sun. Not possible. There's too many details that have that went in to the creation of the sun and to how the sun affects earth. There's just too many different things going on for it to have been an accident. So here we're talking about the sun and it's being compared. So it's comparing the sun to a chassan who's walking out of his chuppah. And what happens when this chassan finishes with the chuppah? Well, everybody descends on him and everyone's rejoicing. doesn't matter if somebody had a bad day that day. The chassan is coming. Everybody's jumping. Everybody's excited. Everybody's singing. Everybody's clapping. And so too, when the sun comes up in the morning, everybody joyfully comes out to rejoice every morning with the renewed creation with the sun. And we said in a different parak, we said, A person could be crying at night, but in the morning they're renewed, they're happy, they enter the new day with a new sense of positivity and excitement. And this is also an incredible power that the sun has. Pasuk Zion. Pasuk Zion, the end of Pasuk Zion says, Nobody is able to hide from the heat, from the heat of the sun. Now, it doesn't say nobody's able to hide from the light of the sun because a person can go into a room technically with no windows and hide from the light of the sun. But it says no one could hide from the heat of the sun because even if a person goes deep, deep down underground into a bunker with no windows, they're still affected by the heat of the sun. There is no creature on earth who does not receive some heat from the sun in order to keep it alive. Rabbi Gamliel gives a beautiful explanation here that's different, so like a kind of a deeper explanation. And he says, Ein nisar means that he's saying chamaso is talking about the heat, the passion that a person has in him. And he says a person who has a passion for Yiddishkeit, a passion for connecting with his creator, Ein nisar, there's not, there's not going to be anything that is that is hidden from him. In other words, there will be no Hester Panim in his life. He'll be able to see clearly Hashem's hand in his life. He'll be able to see the Hashkach of Pratis of Hashem helping him in his everyday life. And this is very true because when we pay attention, and we talk about this all the time, we pay attention to these Hashkach of Pratis incidents in our life, to the things that are happening that are so clearly from Hashem. The more we pay attention to them, that's how we create the chema, the passion, the heat. That's how we get excited. That's how we're like, yeah, I see it. It's here. He's taking care of me. And through that passion and that heat and that excitement, we end up drawing more of these experiences of Hashkach practice into our life And until we're actually living in a place where we see Yad Hashem very clearly. And this is possible for us. And that's what it's saying here. A nistar mechamaso, when a person has that passion for his connection with Hashem, there's nothing hidden from him anymore. He's able to see so many things so clearly in his life. Pasukhes, Torah Hashem Tanima Meshivas Nachash. Okay, so we're turning now. We're going into the second part of the parak. And we're saying, okay, we spoke about the luminaries and the planets and the sun, and specifically, we spoke about the sun. And we said how. When we look at those things, we can clearly see a huge revelation of Hashem's hand. But here, David is going into an even greater way of perceiving the might of Hashem in this world by saying that the Torah, the Torah is even more perfect. Torah is Hashem Tamima. The Torah shows us Hashem's hand in a more perfect way. How is this? Because when we, let's say you're sitting in the sun 
And yes, it's beautiful and it's enjoyable and it's amazing and it does so many good things for you and vitamin D and whatever it is, it puts you in a good mood. But if you sit in the sun for, you know, if you fall asleep there for four hours, then it's not going to be very good for you anymore. And you'll probably come out looking like, um, you know, like uh, a, a person who needs to head to the hospital to take care of his uh, second degree burns. But when it comes to Torah, the more Torah that we learn, the more perfect and the more beautiful it is. And there's no such thing as too much of it. And that's what Tamima means here. Meshivas Nafesh, so besides the fact that Torah is perfect and there's never too much of it, 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 it will never put us into a sunstroke or a sunburn or a state of dehydration, right? It will only fill us up with more values and more morals and more a greater love of Hashem and a greater uh, you know, sense of feeling like I'm developing my character. There's no such thing as too much of it. But aside from all that, it says, Meshivas Nafesh, Torah returns us to our soul. How does Torah return us to our soul? Because through Torah, a person becomes connected with their neshama. Our neshama, it's like it's almost like it's held captive in our body. It's it's like hidden. We don't really see it. We don't really connect to it just by being physical human beings. Like our physical bodies are able to take care of their desires through our hands and our feet and our senses and our eyes and our ears and our, you know our whole physical body is clearly to helping us get to where we need to go in a physical sense. But what's helping our neshama get to where it wants to go? And that would be the Torah. So the Torah is Meshivas Nafesh. It revitalizes and it returns the soul to its form, to its, to its original glory. And it takes it to where it wants to go by providing us with a guidebook of how to do the mitzvot and how to get closer with Hashem and how to be the people that we really want to be. That our neshama wants us to be. Pasuk test. Pikudi Hashem Yisharim Misamchelev. Another amazing property of the Torah is that it, the way we know that we're keeping the Torah properly, and we said this very recently, I think it was last parak that we did, the way we know we're keeping the Torah properly is Misamchelev, as if it makes us rejoice. You know the mandates are being done properly when your heart is rejoicing. Another beautiful property of the Torah. Pasuk Yud Aleph, skipping here, Hanachamadim Mizahav. So now we're talking about another beautiful thing about the Torah, that it's it's more desirable than gold. How is Torah better than riches and gold? So a few reasons are given here. Number one, gold is great and it can give us lots of awesome things. But everyone knows that we can't take these things with us when a person dies. That's it. They don't, they don't get to take it. And Torah goes with us to the next world. It helps us in this world, and Hakaren Kayemes Lo, Lolam Haba. Another reason that Torah is better than gold is because gold could get lost, gold could get stolen, right? A lot of us experience this, the disappointment when we realize that we lost or something, you know, we lost something important or it got stolen. However, Torah can never be taken away from us. Another reason is that when a person gives money away, when they give something valuable away, they no longer have it anymore. But with Torah, the more we give it, the more we have it. And it's so true. I see it more than ever as I teach these beautiful classes. The more I learn and the more I give over, the more I myself gain in tremendous ways. Another and the last thing is that we're going to talk about here is that as valuable as gold is, or as, as valuable as any um, valuable thing could be, 
when, when we have more of that thing, right, if, if we have more gold, what happens to the value of the gold? The value goes down. But with Torah, the more Torah we have, the sweeter and sweeter it becomes. The sweeter Torah becomes to us, the more we want to learn it, the more smart and the more um, evolved we become. Pasuk Yudbeis. Gam avdechan is harbahem. So here David is saying to Hashem, I just spoke about all the amazing properties of the Torah. Please help me to be careful to keep the Torah properly. Pasuk Tesvav says, May the words of my mouth and the prayer of my heart be pleasing before you. My rock and my redeemer. So he's saying here, please help me go in the way of the Torah. Look past my sins and make it that the, th- the words that I say when I speak to you should be pleasing to you and should be something that you want to hear and that you want to listen to. So the Midrash actually tells us here that this verse is actually a request from David. David is saying here, may the words of my mouth, may the Tehillim, the Psalms that I'm composing here in in Tehillim, may they be something that you consider to be part of your Torah. Because he just was talking about the beauty of Torah. So he's saying, Hashem, yes. Torah is is all those things, but let also also let the words that I'm speaking be like pleasing to you, be considered to be part of the Torah, so that all future generations who say Tehillim and learn Tehillim could get as much schar for learning Tehillim than they do for learning Torah. He wants to be a part of the wondrous Torah that we said is Tamima. It's it's you know we can never have enough Torah. And that we said is Meshivas Nafesh. It's a guide for our neshama. It's it's a helper for our neshama. It revitalizes our neshama. It makes us happy. And we also said that Torah is Nachmadim Mizahav. It's more desirable and precious than gold. So he wants a part in that. And he wants his Tehillim to be that for all of us as well. Just like the Torah is our guide and does all these things for us, his Tehillim should also in that category. Okay, so to summarize, David is talking about seeing the Yad Hashem in the world through nature and even more so through our Torah, that is Tamima. And I want to talk a little bit about nature. And there's two points that I want to make. The first idea I want to say is that I looked up and I discovered that we spend Human beings in this day and age spend 93% of our time indoors, missing out on incredible benefits that nature has to offer. And I think we can all intuitively, we, we know, we feel these benefits. Like when somebody's feeling stressed, automatically they walk out of their house to sit outside on the deck, or they'll go to the water to help them clear their mind. We use nature like almost like a medicine, and we do that intuitively. We just kind of are drawn to it. And there are a lot of emotional, mental, physical benefits to being out in nature. It boosts our immune system. It boosts our vitamin D levels. It reduces stress and anxiety. It improves our concentration. And uh, and so that's why we're, we're just naturally gravitating towards it. And here we spoke about the spiritual benefits of being in nature and seeing the Yad Hashem. I, I think, you know, I think we could really relate to this also. Like when you're looking at water let's say you're let's say you're at the ocean and you're looking at the out at the ocean and just like you can't see the end of it and it's so vast and so magnificent and so mighty and when you look at it if you're connecting you know in your mind if you're connecting it to your amuna hashem 
then it kind of really could strengthen your amuna in such incredible ways because you're looking at it and you're you're saying like you, you can make a comparison and say, wow, if Hashem could create this, if this is how mighty and powerful he is, and this is only just one tiny uh, manifestation of his power and his might, then could you imagine what he could accomplish for me in my own life? Can you imagine how easy it would be for him to take me out of whatever challenge I'm going through or to give me whatever it is that I'm wanting in my life? So we could really use it to strengthen our amuna. And I think that we should all try to make an effort to incorporate nature into our lives in whatever ways we can because of all these amazing benefits. So look for opportunities to spend time in nature. If you have a chance to be outside or inside, you know, you have two options of trips to go on with your family, do the outdoor trip. If it's a Sunday and you're bored, don't sit home all day. Go out, go to the park, take a walk. Um, if you're exercising, exercise somewhere beautiful in nature. So we want to be in nature more and we want to notice, not just be in nature, but really notice the incredible properties of nature and connect it to our emunah and Hashem so to strengthen our trust and our well-being in life. Another way that, and this is a little more out of the box, like different from what we were saying before, but I want to use a different way to, for us, uh, a new, I want to bring us a new idea of how to strengthen our emotional well-being through nature. So how can we do this? So just to give you an example of how I did this, and you know, I hope it doesn't sound crazy. It sounded a little, honestly, it sounded a little crazy to me before I actually saw that it worked. So that's why I want to teach you all this process as well. Um, but this is what happened to me. Basically, there was a person that I had to speak to once in a while on the phone that really got me nervous. Like, I, I don't know if I was intimidated by them or afraid of them. They, they had like a certain harshness, a certain forwardness to them that like kind of got me on edge and made me feel like I was like shrinking in front of them. And I really didn't like the way it felt. So what I did was, and I don't know how I came to this, it beats me, I don't remember what went through my mind, but for some reason, I started connecting myself with the ocean. I don't know, maybe I was at the ocean one day when I was on the phone with them. I don't know how this connected, but I started envisioning myself as part of the ocean. Connecting myself with the, with the ocean, for some reason, it gave me the strength to talk to this person without any fear. It gave me a certain level of confidence, courage, might. I don't know what it was, but it put me in a position of power. And I thought this was fascinating. Like Somehow I came up with this idea, and somehow it worked. And every time I speak to this person, I bring up that image of the ocean. I connect with the energy of the mighty, powerful ocean, and it gets me into a stronger place, into a stronger state of mind, where I'm able to handle things a lot better. So I want to show you how to do this also so that you could enjoy the benefits of nature in this interesting type of way too. So how could we, what, what would be some examples of how you could use this? Let's say a person wants to feel confident and strong, but they don't want to be too overly confident and strong. They want to also be warm and loving at the same time. So that person, and I had this with somebody once, they might decide that they're going to connect with a mountain. I am a mountain and I have a, a beautiful 
um, spring of water coming out of me so that I could be big and strong and tall. And at the same time, I'm being nurturing and giving and loving with that spring of water. And they were, I think, I, I remember maybe it was a parenting issue. They used it in their parenting so that they could be strong and confident and also warm and loving. Another idea would be a person who wants to feel free. Let's say they're feeling like they don't have space or they're somehow their freedom is being infringed upon. So they might decide to become a bird that has wings and that can go and fly and be anywhere that they want to be. So let's do this in a step-by-step -step type of way. How can we how can we do this in a way that really tangibly is going to be something that we could tap into and use when we need it. So let's take two different examples. I'm going to take you through a step-by-step -step process with two separate examples. Number 1, let's go back to the parenting idea. Somebody's having a hard time parenting their children. And we're going to go through the following four questions, okay? So you have your situation. A person doesn't like the way they're parenting their children. They're, like, losing control. So you ask yourself four questions. Number one, what do you not like about how you're currently feeling or acting? So they might say, well, I've been yelling. I'm yelling a lot. I'm being rough. I'm being critical. I don't like when I do that. The second question, what do you want to feel or act like? Where do you want to go? What do you want to see yourself like when you're with your kids? So she says, controlled and confident. And the third question, when you feel and act controlled and confident, what are you like? What in nature are you resembling? So she might say, I'm a tall, strong, big tree, an old, thick, big, tall, wide tree. And then the fourth question you would say, ask yourself is, how is that part of nature, how is that tree connected to the controlled, confident way that I want to feel? And you would just make that connection. So you would say, let's say the, firm, the tree is firmly rooted in the ground. It's stable. It's steady. It's not getting thrown off course by any kids who are misbehaving um, or trying to, you know, push me in the direction that they want to go in. A tree is, is you know, it's old, so it's mature and it's wise. And it bears beautiful, healthy fruit. It nurtures the fruit. It nurtures the leaves. So I want to nurture my children, right? You can make the connection. Show how one thing connects to the other. Here's another, let's take, let's do the same four questions with another example. Let's say a person's feeling sad or down or depressed. So again, let's go through the questions. What do you not like about how you're feeling or acting? A person will, will say in this situation that they're feeling low energy. Maybe they're feeling reclusive, like they don't want to socialize with anyone. Question two, what do I want to feel or act like? What do I yes want? So they, yeah, they want energy. They want to be friendly and sociable. Number three, when I act or feel energetic and sociable, what am I like in nature? And they might have a vision of a shining beautiful sun right you pick the first thing that comes to mind what comes to mind when you see yourself being that energetic friendly bubbly person let's say a shining sun right pick anything in nature it could be anything um so we're doing an example of a sun so then number four how is that part of nature how is the sun connected to that feeling of energy and friendliness and it might she might say well the sun is high up and it's bright and shiny and it's friendly because it gives off warmth and pleasure to everybody on earth. Uh, it gives off its light to others. So these are two excellent examples. Now you take it into your own life. What do you want to change? In what situation are you looking to change your feelings or your actions? And how could you find something in nature 
to connect to that energy so that you can get to where you want to get to. And as we use nature to step into our strongest, most powerful versions of ourselves, we benefit from Hashem's creation in new and improved ways. And we're more connected with one of the greatest manifestations of Hashem's might and glory here on earth. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope that you see amazing things coming from this awesome process.